I want to go to Matthew chapter 4 very quickly here. I want to read, we're in the life of Christ, and he has just come out of his 40-day uh, uh, temptation that we looked at last time. We're going to come to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Ultimately, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, but I want to start here. It says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee and his father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boats and their fathers, and they followed him. Now, whenever we read one of the gospel accounts, we, we tend to kind of visualize you know, how this event is happening. When you hear this, you know, what, what, how do you see these events happening in your mind? I mean, from the description, you know, you kind of get the idea as Christ is strolling along on the beach all by himself, you know, a lonely beach, and, and suddenly as he's walking along the beach in the Sea of Galilee, there's, there's two men fishing just off the shore. Christ approaches them, says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they get up and they follow Christ. And according to Matthew, it's kind of as simple as that. But again, we have to remember that the Bible is not a running commentary on every single event, every single detail that took place in Christ's life. Um, if it was, remember what John 21 says. He says, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. I mean, if we try to encapsulize everything that Jesus Christ did. But what has happened here, the Holy Spirit has chosen key lessons for us and done so in an economy of words. If we go to other of the Gospels, we get a little bit more information on what really is taking place on this calling of his disciples by the seashore. And as we put it together, we kind of begin to understand what is involved in this calling. Now, as I look at this today, and again, we're going to look at this very briefly, I really want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to open up your heart to the call that Christ is giving to your life. You know, have you ever felt the Lord calling, nudging you, that he wants you to do something, go somewhere, he wants you to, to get involved, he wants you to make that sacrifice, whether it's a large calling that he's given into your life or whether it's a small calling. What did you do when you heard the Lord calling you and directing you? I want us to go, and if you would, I want you to go to Luke's account of this event and look at it a little bit deeper. We're in Luke chapter 5, if you would turn there. Again, I want you to remember as we're reading Luke's account of this, this call, this response by Peter and Simon and the others, this response is not a response for salvation. This is not a call to be saved that Christ is giving here. Christ is giving a call to service, to step up and to be fishes of men. So in Luke chapter 5, I want to read verses 1 through 11. I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me in, in reverence to the word of God. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. It says, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake Gennesaret, or that's also called the Sea of Galilee. 
And he saw two boats lying on the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little ways from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your net for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and they filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Let me be seated. <coughs> First of all, let's deal with the event before we, we talk a little bit about the application here. Um, first thing you notice that the two accounts of the event seem to, to have some differing things that were taking place here. In Luke, we're told that he, he is preaching, you know, people are pressing in on him. You get this idea that there's this big crowd with him. Matthew never mentions anything about a crowd. Um, Matthew says that they were fishing. Luke says they were cleaning their nets. Again, how, how do you reconcile all this? Again, again you've got to remember that these events probably are taking place over the four to six hour time period. I mean, it takes us about two minutes to read about what was happening. So there's a lot going on here. Obviously, Jesus is by the Sea of Galilee. People are coming to him. Maybe he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and more and more the crowds are getting bigger and bigger, and he's teaching them until he gets to the point he can't teach anymore, and that's when he gets in the boat and he's cast out. And there's a lot of things that are happening. This is taking over a, a big period of time, even though it takes us a, a short period of, of, of time to read this. Again, very likely, you know, you see this large crowd is walking with Christ on the shore, Christ sees Peter and Andrew cleaning their nets, asks them to borrow his boat so he can cast out, and he can get a little distance between him and the crowd so everyone can see him and hear him. And he begins to preach, and he begins to, to teach them. When Christ is done, Peter and Andrew, they went back to fishing. He tells them, cast their net off to the side of the boat, you know, and, and as a result, they catch this great catch, and ultimately, he calls them to follow him. Second thing here, it's safe to assume that these fishermen whether we're talking about Simon or Peter or, or their business partners, whoever it might be, um, it's safe to say that these fishermen had previously heard and trusted Christ, or at least they had heard him preaching that morning, um, and they had already trusted him, they'd acknowledged him and who he was. Third thing, as I said earlier, this was a call to service, not to salvation. Christ's invitation was for them to be fishers of men. Not for them to be the fish, not for them to be the ones caught, but for them to be the ones that are going out there to be used to catch men. They were called to be the reapers, not to be the fruit. And that's why I understand that. You know, they, they've already, even though we don't have a record of it, at some point they had heard Christ either that morning or some other time they had heard Christ 
you know, teach, and they had come to the place to know he was the Savior, and suddenly he has this personal interaction with them and calling that changed their life and made them fishes of men. Um, uh, let me make an observation on, on this point here. Um, this is, excuse me, there is not, as I look at this, there is not a set doctrine or a time when a Christian will receive a call to serve Jesus Christ. I think all of us here know some people who they accepted Christ and immediately they felt this, this burning desire to preach or a burden to go evangelize a country. <clears throat> I know my son Aaron, who you know, pastoring in Parkersburg, he, he felt at a very young age that God was calling him very distinctly uh, to be a pastor. Um, so there's times that this happens that, you know, very close to our salvation comes our call. But the majority of Christian workers, I think, will testify that they received their call years after the time that they actually accepted Christ. And I guess what I want to encourage you with here is don't close the door just because of your age or your occupation or you have roots and you're established or whatever it is. Don't close the door, no matter what your family status is, on the possibility of God calling you, that God wants you. Whether it's a big call to be a missionary or be a pastor and, or whether you know, it's maybe a more localized call to be involved in a, a ministry here in, in, in the areas or in the communities that we have or, or here within the church. I remember when I was at Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music, there was a gentleman, his name was Bob. Um, I'm guessing he was in his mid-40s to upper 40s because he had two daughters who were also students at the college with me um, that were attending Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music. And I remember him giving testimony one day he had said that the year before, he had come to visit the school, and during chapel, <clears throat> he had sat way in the back, and they had these wooden seats that just folded up and folded down, and he knew the exact seat that he was sitting in. And here he is, he's 45 to 50 years old, he is sitting in that seat, and he talked about God calling him to be a pastor. And now, one year later, he says he sold his used car dealership, he's, he enrolled in school, he was going to Grand Africa School of Bible and Music, Matter of fact, to help pay for school, he had become a part-time janitor. And he said the irony of it, he said last, you know, the other day, he said when I was back there kind of wiping all the chairs off, I was wiping off that chair where God called me and, and brought me to service. It doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter how set we are in, in our lives. God can call us at, at, at any time. And we have scores of occupations of people here from IT to, to salesmen to... You know, I, I don't know, on and on it goes, working for the government, working for right pat. Most men in Scripture, if you look at it, most men in Scripture were doing something when God called them. They were doctors, they were tax collectors, they were fishermen. Moses and David, you know, they were, they, they were, they were shepherds. I mean, on and on it goes, they were, they were active, and God can use you in a ministry today. And just don't close yourself to it. Say, well, I'm in church, i got a family here, and we're kind of setting it. Do you even have yourself open to God calling you, as he did Peter and James here? I want to make four observations real quickly here on God's call to full-time service. What, what, that, what is involved in that? I want to start in Luke chapter 5, we read in verses 4 through 5. We'll go ahead and put this up here for you. 
The first thing I want to draw observation to is, number one, God's call is based upon God's word. So it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say, and I will let down my nets. I mean, underline those words in your Bible, if you mark your Bibles in verse 5, I will do as you say. To me, it might seem impossible. To you, it might seem impossible that God could use you or call you or provide for you or, 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 or put your life in a whole different direction. To me, it might seem impossible. The task's too great. Waste of time. I've already been, I've, we've been fishing all night. Why are we going to go out now and get our nets all dirty again? We've just got them cleaned. But because you say it, Lord. But because you say it, I will do it. And that is the a person's only basis for entering ministry for Jesus Christ, even if it's part-time ministry for Christ. If a person does not have God's word on the matter, either through the Bible revealing what he wants them to do, through the Holy Spirit, through prayer, whatever it might be, then you have no place in full-time, part-time Christian service. It doesn't matter if your parents were missionaries or pastors or, or you know, if everyone thinks you're so qualified. It is only God that can give that call. And that's the voice that we're listening for. Has God called us? Has God called you? Has he directed you to do something? Again, large or small, what do you do when you hear the call? Second thing I want to observe here. The one called is never worthy of the commission or the calling. When we are called, we are never worthy of the calling that's been given in our life. Um, after Christ had revealed himself to Peter in the miracle of the fish and the nets and everything, note what Peter's response was. It says in verse 8, Luke 5, it says, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. I mean, he didn't get all puffed up with pride that, hey, look at Jesus has singled me out. He has called me out by name. He wants to use me. His reaction when he felt God was calling him and asking him to do things was, was object, abject humility. Reminds us of Isaiah. You know, when he comes face to face with God, he says, woe is me. Moses, when he was called to go speak to Israel, says, I'm not qualified. I can't do it. There was no being puffed up. There's a humility and unworthiness about any call that God gives us. And I don't care who it is, whether it was D.L. Moody or, you know, Billy Graham, Hudson Taylor, you know, John Wycliffe, Larry Marble, it doesn't matter. Nobody is worthy to stand in service of an almighty God. And it's the good ones who know this and remember this, that nobody is worthy. We are blessed. We are privileged to stand to serve God, whether it is full-time, whether it is part-time, whether it's in Sunday school, whether it is in the nursery, whether it's as a trustee to sit on a board, whatever it might be, it is a privilege that God has called us to make a difference to something that is going to last for eternity. Number three, when a person is called, they need to head into service. Okay, again, in Matthew 9, we didn't go this far, but in verses 19 and 20, it says, He said to them, this is Jesus, Follow me and I will make you fishes of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. 
Verse 21 and 22, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the sons of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boats with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them immediately, and they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. When God calls you, when God gives you his direction, God wants you to go. God, God wants you to, to respond. I remember way back, it was almost, it was in this month of March, 43 years ago. I was living in Madison, Wisconsin. I graduated from high school, didn't have a lot of direction. I went to a technical college um, for my first year out of, out of high school. I was living out by myself over there in Madison, had an apartment and everything. And I remember in this month in March, I went to visit some of my Christian friends. I was a Christian, but I wasn't living for the Lord very, very strongly. Anyway, I went to visit my friends at Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music. You know, uh, Tim Barsness, Todd Barsness, Dennis Parman, you know, ones who I'd been in youth group with. And I went over just to visit them for the weekend. And while I was there, I felt very strongly that God wanted me to go to that college. But again, you know, I'm 19 years old. You know, I've driven over there by myself. Interesting thing that happens, God, you know, he always has a way of working things. Um, I spent all my money while I was there that I had, all the cash that I had, and the only thing I had is a checkbook. And so I'm driving home back from Grand Rapids, Michigan to Madison, Wisconsin, about 300, 350 miles, and I'm running out of gas. And I'm, so I stop for gas, and I say, hey, will you take a check from out of state? You know, they're looking at a 19-year-old kid, and I kept getting no, no. And the gas gauge kept getting less and less, and I stopped at about three, four gas stations. And it was at that moment that God put it all together for me. I prayed at that moment. I can remember that as the first prayer that I audibly prayed to God. And, and I know God moved, and I said, God, if you provide gas for me to be able to get home, I will go to Grand Rapids School of Bible and Music. And the next gas station I stopped at, it was in the middle of Chicago, Illinois, and, you know, I, I stopped there, and the guy said, yes, he let me fill up the tank. And when God called at that moment, there could have been all sorts of excuses. There could have been all sorts of reasons for me not to go. But at that moment, God's call was so firm. I went home. I filled out my applications. I sent in the registration form. And, and the rest, you know, God has used it to change and to shape my life. You know, there are so many men that have been called later in life in the gospel to, to, to respond to him. But they didn't respond real well. And I think sometimes we do that same thing. You know, what do you do when you hear God telling you to do something? You know, to get involved in one of the Christian ministries in our community, in our, in our, uh, in our county. What do you do when maybe you feel God is calling you to go on a missions trip? Or God is calling you to go over and talk to your neighbor or to, to get involved in a need you know, that is in the church body. What do you do? Well, we're going to pray about it. And we're going to see if it works out. And we're going to see if it lines up with everything. You know, there's people that do that all the time. There are some men in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. They wanted to follow Christ. And it says there of these men, it says and they were going along the road and someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you will go. Isn't that our testimony, folks? Lord, I will follow you. I'll do what you want. I want to be used of you. I'm a child of yours. He said, you know, I want to go where you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds have of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. 
And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first permit me to go say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He makes it very, very clear. Here are all these people. They wanted to follow Christ. They wanted to go after Christ. But Christ knew their hearts. If they didn't respond and they didn't say yes then, if they went home and they got back in their involvement in life, Satan would give them plenty of reasons not to go. When God calls you to go, you need to start moving. If you delay, Satan is going to give you all kinds of reasons, all sorts of barriers, all sorts of commitments, all sorts of financial responsibilities to keep you put and to keep you from not going. Folks, I want to tell you there are many reasons for you not to get involved. But there is only one reason for you to get involved, and that is because God calls and God gives us that voice. And we need to make a decision. Whose voice are we going to be listening to? Who are you going to respond to? There's many reasons for you not to get involved. Many reasons for you to not teach children's Sunday school class if God's calling you to do that. It works with the children's club or children's church or teach ABF or be on the trustee board or show up for a work day or get involved in pregnancy resource center you know, or you know, Dayton Gospel Mission or to go to WEEC and help for the, with the, you know, the share-a-thon. They're going to have plenty of reasons for you not to go. But there is one voice that when you hear it, and if it says go, we need to go. Fourth and final point. Full-time, part-time service, it's always going to involve sacrifice. Whenever you say yes to something that God wants you to do, you need to know it's going to involve sacrifice. You know, sacrificing what you are doing right now to be able to do what Christ wants you to do. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 22, remember what it says of the disciples when he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men? It says, immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. They left the boat, they left their work, left their father, they left their family. Folks, you cannot fully serve Christ unless you're willing to let go of what you have at any time. You know, are you willing to look at whatever it is in your life, whether it is your time, whether it is your freedoms, whether it's your recreation, whether it is your financial security, whatever it is, until you're ready to let that go. You can't hear the voice of God. And you will not respond to the voice of God. We need to be able to fully release, Lord, this is all yours, so we can respond to the voice of the Lord. Now, I'm sure that you have heard that a full, some full-time Christian worker describe their job something like this. They say, well, the pay is not the best. You know, you hear a pastor. says, well, the pay is not the best, but the benefits are out of the world, you know. And what we're, they're emphasizing is the rewards waiting for them in heaven. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. I have been in ministry for 42 years. I want to tell you that the blessing of service isn't just going to happen in heaven. It's for right now, the blessing of service. In service of Christ, you're going to find no greater fulfillment in your life than when you say yes to Christ, whether it's big or whether it is small. You know, I'm not saying you can't be fulfilled in other jobs, and, and, and if God's calling you to them, that's great. But there is no greater 
service, no greater purpose, no greater fulfillment than that of Jesus Christ. And if God is calling you big or small today, it is a blessing. It will be a blessing for you to go. There are trials in Christian service. There's always headaches. There's always frustrations. And that's life. And God uses those things to shape and mold us. Everyone has trials. Any job has its ups and its downs. A Christian servant's, you know, our life really isn't that much different than anyone else. But the blessing of responding to the voice of God. Can you imagine, you know, what it was like to be, you know, Peter and James and John and, you know, they've been fishermen out there fishing and, and they had a big business. And we haven't taken time. I mean, they had a very prosperous business. They had many boats. They had partners, you know, all, all sorts of things. But can you imagine for them to suddenly hear the voice of Christ, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. What's Christ calling you to do today? What does he want you to do? Are you ready to hear that voice and to respond? Let me re- leave you with the words in Mark chapter 10. It says, Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother, or sister, or mother, or father, or children, or farms, for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. Have you kept that door open? whatever service in Christ that God is calling you to, whatever your age, whatever your occupation, when Christ calls, will you go? Let's pray. Father God, I so thank you that you've included in your word real men, Lord, responding under difficult situations to you. Father, we know how their lives turned out. We know what you did. We know the the power of the gospel. And Father, that gives us faith. That gives us encouragement, Lord. It gives me encouragement to trust you and to say yes. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ here right now. You know, there's even some that maybe this week have received you know, an indication from you in your word of the Holy Spirit and, you know, a still small voice of something you want them to do. God, I pray that we won't waste time, that we won't stall, that we won't make excuses and give Satan that foothold. But, Father, we will say yes. Now, whatever the question is, Lord, I will do it. Thank you, Father. In thy son's name we pray.